Welcome to episode 182. Today, Jesse and I are reflecting on the Church Comeback Conference. It was such a great experience to work together to talk about the future of the church, and we're excited to share that with you. That's today on The Reclaimed Leader. Welcome to The Reclaimed Leader, a podcast by two pastors trying to lead their churches through revitalization and change. Their mission, to share their journey with you so it might help you in yours. And now, here, please welcome our hosts, Jason Tucker and Jesse Skiffington. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 182 of the Reclaim Leader, Equipping Churches for Turnaround Change. I'm Jason Tucker, here with Jesse Skiffington. How's it going, Jesse? Doing well, Jason. Glad to be in another conversation with you today as we're talking talking shop, leadership in the church, um, trying to navigate through really unprecedented times of change and disruption in our, our world and all those factors that are contributing to the leadership challenge and opportunity right now. So really grateful, Jason, for all of our conversations. Uh, really grateful for the time that we got to spend uh, working with a group of people during the Church Comeback Conference uh, this past, uh, you know, a couple of weeks and just a ton of fun to think about and dream about uh, where God's leading us next is in our churches. Yeah, well, the conference was great. And for those of us who, who, for those who joined us for that, you know, thank you. Thank you for joining us. And I hope that it was helpful. We got a lot of great feedback about it. And uh, another thank you to all the speakers. Jesse, you were one of them. Um, we had some great, just some great talks. Todd Bolsinger, Tara Beth Leach, uh, Terrence Porter, um, you know, it was so good. Michael, Michael Hottie. Hottie, don't forget Michael. Yeah, I mean, so good. Yeah. So practical. I love it. And, and honestly, just this idea of having a conversation together, I think is gold it, getting to talk with other pastors and to workshop some stuff and think about stuff. We had our VIP group that met with us yeah, uh, the whole day. We, we did about, what was it? Five, six hours with them. And, um, it, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was so encouraging. And it also felt like, we're in this together. Yeah. And I yep. think that that just helps you keep going. For sure. And knowing that you're not alone in the challenge that you're facing or, um, you know, with the kinds of things you're hearing from your congregation or the sorts of issues that have shown up and, you know, that um, it's not just unique to us that, you know, we're, and so then get to kind of dream together, talk together, work together on some practical solutions. And Jason, your, your content, you know, working through that, that process of discover, discern, and, and, you know, put it into action. I, I love that idea of uh, just kind of working on one thing and, and seeing where we can go and uh, not feeling the pressure to change everything all at once or have all the answers, but, you know, work on something that you can make some forward movement on and, uh, and that can generate some momentum there right there. It is amazing how even if your church just decides to do something, yeah. even, if, even if it's something small, if you decide to do it together, it creates its own forward movement. And that's the thing that a lot of people underestimate because they think, well, we've got to do something big. Yeah. Well, maybe, but you could probably do something not so big and have pretty big results for your company. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because in, in some ways, sometimes it's the thing we're doing is important, right? It's the mission or of the moment. And, and sometimes it's about delivering on that idea for the sake of the mission and ministry of the church. Sometimes, and maybe more often, it's about doing something together 
because of the culture and enthusiasm it creates within the community. So sometimes it just, like you said, it doesn't necessarily matter what the idea is. If we can get everybody working together, praying together, um, you know, um, getting in the trenches and serving together, that, that does something in our life together too. So um, yes, there's big ideas that really make a difference um, for the mission. And then there's the, the ideas that help us grow a healthy culture, a healthy love for each other in the church. So um, anyway, we're getting a little preachy on that. We get a little fired up about this. <laughs> and a plan does not have to be perfect in order to be executed well. And yeah. the case in point, if you can, yeah. Yeah. church comeback conference. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I was going to say, just do it. You're at, like, I think if Presbyterians, especially, you know, I know we have listeners from other uh, you know, traditions and backgrounds and, and things. But in the Presbyterian world, sometimes we get a little paralyzed in our analysis and, and our planning and until it's perfect and we can foresee every eventuality, you know, we can't do it. No, no, no. You, that's never going to happen. You, sometimes you just got to go for it um, and uh, see where see where it leads and not be afraid to put it out there, even if it's not, you know, 100% dialed in. Yeah. And have it helps to have a 15-year-old uh, child that w- is very techy. So it was nice, yeah. <laughs> nice yeah. having my daughter Katie pull it, help yeah. pull it Tell together. Katie, for us. Thank you because without that, I think we would have. Uh, it's so is this good. thing on. I would have been my forehead in the Zoom window or something. You never know. And and hosting something like that, you know, it was a little bit scary. But I think we should do the things that scare us a little bit yeah. because it means that we really need to lean into faith. And that really matters. We all yeah. know it as pastors. I, I don't need to tell pastors out there that that is true. You already know it's true. But I think we still need a little nudge to push us over and actually yeah. do it because. Yeah, it's it's healthy. And I know, of course, here we're all passionate and excited. And I know everybody, everybody listening, we, we all had a challenging, hard year in, in all kinds of different ways for each of us. So, you know, we're all rah-rah right now because we're excited. So I know that you're probably like, man, you guys, how do you, how do you have all this energy for this stuff? Well, um, you know, we're, <laughs> we're, we're having a hard time in our own ways and different ways, you know, so we're in, we get that. And there's this idea though, of thinking about this isn't a time of opportunity. There's really, it's a time to try things because, because of where we've been and how hard this year has been. There's a lot of permission. And so to ask that question, like you just did, when was the last time you took a risk personally in your leadership or took, you know, a step outside of your comfort zone to try something that feels a little out of reach or, um, you know, I think that is healthy and actually can be invigorating for us and kind of breathe some of that life back into us as we step out and trust God and find out that God meets us there. Yeah. So I thought what we do, since we had so much great content, is share a little bit with our listeners who couldn't make it to the conference and just kind of riff on, you know, some of the talks that were given. Today, we'll look at maybe two talks and okay. I'll listen to a little bit of each. I thought it'd be great to start with Todd Bolsinger's talk, which was yeah, so, so, so good. good. Yeah, really and um, and it's a way of just, you know, kind of sharing the content and also share, remind me afterwards to tell people how they can, they can watch the conference on on demand. So oh, that's awesome. something that they're going to be able to do. So we'll talk yeah, about that, that at the end. Okay. Sounds um, but good. I just don't want to forget. <laughs> so uh, Todd Bolsinger, he is um, at Fuller Seminary. Uh, he's, of course, uh, the author of Canoeing the Mountains, which is has become uh, kind of the standard in revitalization books and something that many churches have really rallied around, ours included. Yeah. 
It's, yep. it, and I think what makes it work is that it really can speak to anybody in the church, in leadership, whether they're a lay leader or they are a minister, and really speak to them and help explain adaptive change and what the church is facing. And yep. it's just, it's very, very good and very compelling. Yep, I would agree. Yeah, conceptually, it's it, it's not, there's a lot of depth there, but it's not hard to wrap our minds around the basic idea uh, of adaptive change. So uh, he does a great job of presenting that. Good stuff for sure. So let's play a little bit of Todd's talk that was called How Not to Waste a Crisis, which I thought was really, yeah. really good. So, Hi, my name is Todd Bolsinger. I'm the Executive Director for the Church Leadership Institute at the Dupree Center for Leadership at Fuller Theological Seminary. And this is How Not to Waste a Crisis, a Wholehearted Comeback. Poet David White sat in a cabin with his friend, a monk named Brother David Steindel Rost. The poet David looked at the monk David and said, Brother David, tell me about exhaustion. The monk looked at his friend kindly, took a deep breath and said, you know that the antidote to exhaustion is not necessarily rest. What is it then? The antidote to exhaustion is wholeheartedness. The monk continued, you're so tired through and through because you're only half here and half here will kill you after a while. You need something to which you can give your full powers. You must do something heartfelt and you must do it soon. Do you relate? For many of us as church leaders going through a year of pandemic, a year of economic upheaval and social unrest, we are half here half the time. Most of the time, we are struggling with trying to give ourselves fully to the ministry that we've been given. We love God and we love our people, and yet this is not what we signed up for. And now as we have hope around the corner with vaccines beginning to come, with the signs that we might be returning to some semblance of ministry that we are used to having, there's a part of us that's beginning to get excited, but another part of us that really wonders, what's it going to be? And am I really up for it? What will a comeback look like? And will it be all the way back? And should it? I mean, do we really want to go back to the way things were before? Do we really want to go back to churches that, oh, for example, have lost a million millennials a year for the better part of the last 10 years? Or is there something in our future that we are looking forward to that may have been revealed during the pandemic that actually might make a difference something that we can give ourselves wholeheartedly to. For many of us, this pandemic has been a crisis because we were not prepared for it. We were not trained for it. We were not trained to be leaders in a time like this. This was a completely unprecedented time. And it's also true that we've not been trained for what we're heading into. A good friend of mine tells a story about when he had a Catholic priest as a spiritual director. The Catholic priest's brother was a Marine Corps jet fighter pilot. And one year for this birthday, the jet fighter pilot called up the priest and said, come to the base. I got a surprise for you. And as his birthday present to his priest brother, he got permission for the priest to sit in his flight simulator. He got the chance to spend a few minutes pretending he was a Marine Corps jet fighter pilot. And when the priest put on the helmet and got into the cockpit, and got to pretend for a few minutes that he was a jet fighter pilot, the exhilarating experience was overwhelming. And after crashing the plane a few times, and fortunately it was just a simulator, he comes out and he looks at the man who runs it and he says, why are you so committed to training with flight simulators? 
And the trainer looked at him and said, because at the moment of crisis, you do not rise to the occasion. You default to your training. Let's be really clear. None of us were trained for this. And so many of us find ourselves half-heartedly trying to figure out what is next. What do we need in a time of deep disruption? And what are we going to need to be prepared for a future that is unlike anything that we can imagine? What is needed for wholehearted leadership in a time like this? Let me suggest two things briefly today. To learn a new way of leading and to develop the resilience for facing resistance. Ronald Heifetz of Harvard University talks about um, how not to waste a crisis. He has an article that he and his colleagues wrote called Leadership in a Permanent Crisis. And he says the crisis, a crisis has two phases. Uh, Heifetz was a medical doctor, so you can understand where he got the illustration. He says the first phase is the acute phase. It's like when a human being goes through an emergency and is raced to the emergency room. When you go into the acute phase, everything stops. All the attention is on trying to keep the patient alive. You stabilize, you protect, you buy time. All the energy goes toward that emergency and you come together to make sure you survive. It's what my friend Andy Crouch and his colleagues wrote about early in the pandemic when they talked about people having a blizzard mentality, a mentality about how we survive the next few days or the few weeks because it what we need to mostly do is just hunker down and survive. What Heifet says is that once you've gotten through the acute phase, it's a little bit like what happens when all of a sudden you realize the emergency's over. You're going to live. You're going to survive. And what happens internally is everything within us says, where are my pants? How do I get them back? Where are my clothes? And can I just go home? I'm tired of feeling vulnerable and exposed and out of sorts. I just want to get back to normal. What a wise leader does at that moment is doesn't, is tries to withhold running back to what is familiar too soon. Instead of going from the acute phase back to what it used to be, the wise leader takes an opportunity to enter into what Heifetz calls the adaptive phase. The adaptive phase is where you sit and pause and you look at the moment of crisis that you've been in and you ask yourself some questions about what got us here? What makes this so acute? What have we noticed in this crisis? What can we learn? What are the underlying issues that we can, that have been revealed that we've not had the will to confront before the crisis? Uh, Andy Crouch and his colleagues call this the ice age mentality. If this is not just a freak storm, but the beginning of a new weather system, a new climate, a whole new environment. Well, then what do we need to do to prepare for that? Heifetz says, adaptive leadership seizes the opportunity of moments like this to hit the organizational reset button. So good, right? Yeah, so good right there. Love that stuff. I mean, man, in those five minutes, I feel like there's so much to talk about, but it's so true. And I, I love his talk really sort of hit the 30,000 foot and yet also the kind of three inches of my heart at the same time, you know, right. like it, yeah. it definitely yeah. hit what I'm feeling and experiencing, but also thinking about what is, what is this moment that we're all facing and what does it mean? Um, and, and I don't know where we want to jump in Jesse, but I'll just start with where he started and that is exhaustion. Yeah that the antidote 
to exhaustion is not rest, but wholeheartedness. I find that to be incredibly profound and true. I, you know, it's sort of like going on vacation, right? You go on vacation and you feel rested maybe when you're on vacation and you come home and it's like you never left. You, there's mm-hmm. like zero rest. And it's because there's something about rest that isn't to do with time off as much as it's to do with something that happens on the inside of you. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I find that to be true as well. And at first, when I first heard him say that, I was like, I don't really, I, because like, that sounds like more work to me. Like it sounds harder. It sounds like I'm already tired. So now you want me to be all in and and work even harder. Is that what's going on? And um, you know, we've talked about how sometimes when we'll go away on vacation, we were tired and we go away and it's actually feels almost like we're more tired when we get home because it's like the exhaustion just continued to, to go and there's never, there was never quite enough rest. And so building in a rhythm of rest is, you know, that's a, a different part of the conversation. But what I think Todd's getting at is when our, our hearts are in it and our, we're, we believe in what we're doing and we're, um, we're convicted about it, that that in its own way breathes life into us. Uh, it keeps us going. Um, and uh, keeps us leaning in and excited for what's next and gives us hope and um, all those kinds of things. And so that wholeheartedness, I don't know what, when you think of wholeheartedness, what, what words come to mind for you, Jason? Like what, how would you describe that or put that into other terms? Well, for me, I mean, I, I can't help but think of something very specific and that's the way that I feel when I'm fully engaged in and asking the question, how does God want us to take this next step to fulfill the mission? Like there's something so exciting for me about a wholehearted conversation about that. Not like a side conversation. I, because I think, and especially during this time, it's been all internal stuff. It's, it's, it's been so much about managing the organization during, during the crisis. And there's only so much of the acute phase that I can take. Like, like I need to move to the adaptive phase and it's in the adaptive work to me that feels wholehearted. It's now we're playing offense here. Now we're not just reacting. We're, we're saying, Mm -hmm. how can we, what's the right next move for us to keep the mission going forward? And to me, those wholehearted conversations give me juice. And I mean, again, case in point with the conference, it, it was really exhausting I would not say that that conference was, was rest. And yet I am more charged up now because we just had this experience where for three days we're talking with other pastors and leaders. I feel more wholehearted in the mission and therefore I feel less exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I like a couple of things in there. I heard that I think are really good when we move from reactive or that acute phase to actually something more proactive and um, something that we, we can bring our leadership ideas and abilities and, and a community together to do something, man, that's energizing. And I, I felt the same way after our time, you know, I know, I mean, Jason, for those that don't know, Jason did a lot of the behind the scenes nuts and bolts to make that thing go. And then, you know, I just showed up, I guess, was I just like the pretty face? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but um, anyway, I got to help. And even, you know, being on a zoom call with church leaders for five or six hours, that was, that was a lot. And I was tired at the end of the day. And, you know, my, my mental sort of drain was there, but I also felt 
I felt positive. I felt hopeful. I, um, I slept really well that night and got up excited for the next conversation. And I feel like even it's funny and to say this, but I feel like even the, my message on Sunday, my sermon that I got to preach later at the, you know, at the end of the week, um, I, I was, was more energized, more filled with life because of those con- connections with other church leaders. So it wasn't rest, but it was, uh, rejuvenating if, if that, I don't know, it sounds like that kind yeah. of resonates with your experience as well. A hundred percent. And so I think for all of us, I think we have an opportunity to be rejuvenated if we can wholeheartedly give ourselves over to that question of, do we want, how's he say it? Will it or should it come all the way back? Because mm. that's the adaptive question, right? Do we really want it to be everything, the same exact thing that it was prior to the pandemic? Well, no, because hopefully some things have been revealed that help us toward greater faithfulness. And and I was just thinking, and maybe we could just kind of pause for a moment and just say, what are some things that we've noticed that have been revealed during this time? I mean, I just off the top of my head, just thinking of a couple of things. The first is it's opened up a whole new world of possibility with the availability and comfort comfort with technology for, especially with our folks in older generations. All of a sudden, it's not so scary to have a Zoom meeting. It's not so scary to talk about video in the sanctuary because we had to. Yeah. Right? And I think that has really helped move us really far, really fast in a good way. That's right. Yeah, I agree. And I think in in some ways it was empowering for a generation that maybe felt alienated by technology. When we would make an announcement on a Sunday before the pandemic and say, hey, we're going to be on Facebook, yada, 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 or we're going to be doing this online or whatever, it kind of alienated, you know, a, a portion of our folks unintentionally, of course, right? We'd, you know, we'd love to have you join there, but it was sort of this unknown, I, that's not me. I don't know how to do that. That's what my grandkids do. I'm glad we're doing it because there's young people here that like that kind of stuff, but that's not for me. And then the pandemic moved us all online. And I think it was really empowering for a, a generation of people to learn how to be on Zoom and to, you know, engage with the message, you know, the Sunday services online and to go, I'm part of the digital uh, era too. I've figured out my place in it. And so um, I think we're set up for success longer term. I hope we don't just default back um, to our pre-pandemic approach to um, to online. And technology is just one category. And that's why I think it'd yeah. be good to hear a little bit of Michael Hottie's uh, talk because you know technology and some of the questions that have come around it have been really, really important. And you know, as he says, and I don't want to steal his thunder, but you know, he talks a lot about the digital architecture, which is a phrase that we, you and I both so love. Yeah, yeah. You know, talks about, you know, young people aren't wowed by our technology, but they expect it to be there. And now right, we're actually yeah. living in a reality where we can make that happen. And that's really exciting. Yeah, it really is. And again, it's, we don't want to walk on what Michael's, where we're going to go, but this idea, if you, if, you know, if that's true, then how is that reflected in your budget? Are you, I mean, is that showing up in the way that you're allocating resources and strategizing going forward? So really good stuff as Michael takes it from sort of the 30,000 foot level of adaptive change and, and what does this moment mean to something a little bit more concrete uh, in how we approach um, this, this opportunity to embrace technology and the mission of the church. Yeah. So, hey, let's listen to a little bit of this talk from Michael Hottie. 
Well, thank you, Jason, and it is so good to be here at CCC 21. My name is Michael Hadi, and I have an interesting life because I wear two hats in my work. The first thing is I am a pastor of a local church. But the second thing is I am the owner and the principal of a company named Somerset Media Group, and we serve churches and houses of worship in the areas of technology as it relates to their ministry. And so our heart really is to see technology implemented well in the life of the local church. This year, certainly, as you might imagine, it has been a very interesting year. And we have had the fortunate opportunity to be able to serve 77 different churches and organizations in the past year since the pandemic began in various parts of technology, but especially around the issues and the challenges and the opportunities of video and live streaming. And so what I wanted to do with our brief time here today is I wanted just to review some of the things we have learned throughout the year in a pandemic. And coming from the standpoint of someone who is in ministry, but who also works with other churches as they attempt to navigate all of the issues around implementing technology in a wise way that helps ministry move forward. And so hopefully this is helpful to you. Uh, the first thing I just want to say is this, the digital genie does not go in the ba back in the bottle. You know, as we're here at Church Comeback Conference 21, we're hoping this is the year where we, we get up and we're able to take some ground back and maybe even take some new ground for the kingdom of God. But the digital world that we have now all experienced, uh, all of you went to seminary very few of you expected uh, that you would be figuring out how to live stream and figuring out Facebook and YouTube Live and what do you do with cameras and how do we deal with lighting and all of the things that you've had to learn, the new skills that you've had to learn. There are so many of us I know that would just love to be able to walk away from that and go back to the way things were. But unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, the world will not do that around us. The digital genie does not go back in the bottle. Certainly, we are moving back to a time uh, where there are more in-person and more in-the-room kinds of events and services and opportunities for ministry, but the digital reality, that door has now been swung open, and it cannot be closed. And so what we want to do in this time is just go through some of the things that we've observed uh, as someone who's on the ministry side, but also is a technology solutions provider for churches. And so I just have five major ideas. We're going to go through them. Hopefully one of them brings some clarity to what you're experiencing as you plot your church comeback here in 2021. The first one is this, brutal consistency wins the day. Brutal consistency wins the day. You know, when we look at technology, I think all of us are impressed by special effects and lots of cameras and amazing lighting and a great backdrop and, and all of the things that make a great video production look great. But much more simple and mundane than that is for technology, for video especially, for live streaming, all of these related things to be an effective tool for ministry, they must be absolutely consistent. And what I mean by that is the people who are connecting to your church and connecting to God through the means of technology are counting on it to be present on a consistent basis. And so consistency is better than flashiness. Consistency is better than the thing that you can do once. 
And so what I believe and what we believe and what we have seen is that pursuing a strategy you can do repeatedly and sustainably is wiser than pursuing something bigger that you can only pull off occasionally. And there's two parts to this. There's a technology part to this, uh, but there's also a volunteer and staffing and operations part of this. There's the technology that you bring together to make whatever it is you're doing possible, but there's also can we do this sustainably with the people we have to make it happen week in and week out? And can we do it with their skill level? Or are we going to burn people out over time? Are we going to have great production values and great consistency when certain people are present, but not when they're not? And so the thing that matters the most is that whatever you choose to do as you attempt to integrate technology into this new hybrid future that we all are in, is that you're able to do it week after week after week after week, and that it's sustainable from a technology standpoint, but also from a volunteer and staffing standpoint. And so when you prioritize your investments, uh, whether it's financial investment, whether it's volunteers or leadership investment, you should prioritize your investment in things that make this more sustainable for the long term. You know, in our travels this past year, one of the things that we've seen over and over again, and it's a great blessing in a way, but it has challenges to it, is what I call the magic volunteer. And this is the person that in mid-March of 2020, uh, you got on the phone with them and you said, help, I have no idea what you're doing, but it appears that you do. And they came and they brought some equipment, maybe they brought their computer, and they've been the one who's kind of been holding up whatever your digital and live streaming presence is. And so now the challenge as much as we should be thankful to God and thankful to those people for that blessing, now the challenge is making it sustainable beyond that person. Because you know how it goes, and I know how it goes, and we have all seen it, that when the person's there, it's great, but when they're not, it's not. When the equipment that they're loaning the church or that they've kind of strung together is working and it's, in, it's present in the room, things are great, but when it's not, it's not. So now our opportunity and our challenge is to prioritize investments in things that make this sustainable for the ministries of the church for the long term. So that's the first idea. Brutal consistency wins the day. Consistency is its own quality. So good. Okay, right? <laughs> so good. Yeah, here, Jason, we heard this talk already, and we get to talk to Michael quite a lot, and we're nodding along the whole time again anyway, because it's just so right on. He's just spot on. Yeah. And, you know, I just right off the bat, what he says is you, the digital genie is not going back in the bottle. I just think that's a really important thing to yeah, acknowledge. Important. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, you know, it may be that, um, you know, we have to take a long look at what does that mean? And, and I, you know, there's the whole theology of technology and, and our ecclesiology and all the things that come with that. And we need to be working on those things. But the basic point is we have now uh, live in a, an environment in a world that has an expectation of some sort of combination between technology or online um, opportunities for engagement. And now when, as we're moving back in person, something of the in-person, but there's no going back to the way things were before where we kind of had a webcam in the back and hopefully the audio was good, but it, you know, it was sort of for people that couldn't make it to church. They could have this other option. No, now, now there's uh, a new day for better or worse. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. And and I love that he leads with the idea of brutal consistency wins yeah, the day so because important. that's 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 true. I mean, listen, you can you could do anything once, but can you do it repeatedly, week after that's week, right. when the magic volunteer is not there? I, I love that because it's yeah, so true, yeah, right? It's so true. Yep, yep. And many exactly. pastors has have put themselves into that position, which again is not sustainable. Yeah, it's just not exactly. 
Yeah. And if you're the one, you know, at the end of the day that it rises and falls on, you know, that, that worked for what I would say that's more in the acute phase of what, you know, going back to Bolsinger stock, but now what's going to be the sustainable model. And maybe it means you have to have a technology team or a digital ministry engagement team or a, you name it, um, organized effort in the life of the church. Maybe it's even a staff person that has to come in to help make those things go, but it's going to need to be something that if it is living on your plate still as a pastor, eventually it's going to have to move off of the plate. Um, you're going to have your hands in it, just like you do when you're creating stuff for Sunday morning worship, you're helping plan, create, generate the content, you're engaged deeply in it. Um, but all the nuts and bolts and making sure that all the cables are in the right place and that, you know, their computer has enough memory to make it happen and that all the videos get, you know, edited in the right way and put together. And then everything gets edited and published online. At some point that can't be uh, the senior pastor's job or the pastor's job. You know, it's an opportunity to share that in a more sustainable way. Right. Yeah. Not that you and I would know anything about that (laughs) experience. (laughs) And, Let me and give you, you my know, 20 step say, process, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say something that might get me into trouble. Don't, don't you love when I preface a. Well, that's what edit is for after we record. You can take yeah, it out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I, I want to talk to my solo pastor friends because yeah. I, I was in those shoes and I know how difficult it is to, you know, you're doing everything. You're the youth pastor, you're the tech person, you're the preacher, like yeah. you're doing the pastoral care. And, I know how I know the stress of that, but I will say this. I actually think it would be worth it. You know, if your church, they've had a taste of having online services and everything. If you can't find somebody to take that over, I think it's worth not doing so that they can see we really need that. And you know what? We need to come with money to pay somebody to do that. That's and right. I know that's a, yeah. that's a risky, I know that's a bold yeah. move, Yeah. but, but maybe that's what's needed because I'm so worried about our solo pastors yeah. who are trying to do it all and they're never going to stop because it's never going to get off their plate. That's right. And you can't really get away um, because if you need to go on vacation or you need to take a week off, the, the online version still needs to go up and somebody yeah. has to do it. And so I noticed, um, I think it's been quite a while now, I think it was last July um, I was getting some time away. I mean, right in the middle of the pandemic. And so we weren't, you know, we couldn't do a whole lot, but it was, the point was to try to disengage from work for at least a week. And even then I was on making sure that the service played, making sure that everything worked. And so that's not really time away. I didn't have to do the sermon that week. And that was the break that I got, I guess. But um, yeah, so that's, I think that's wise because Jason, the truth is if we, um, you know, we have a lot of balls that we're juggling up in the air, right? And I heard this leadership analogy one time. If you let a few balls drop, you're going to learn some things uh, about how important those things were. And so if you let a ball drop and it doesn't ever get picked up again, it may be that that wasn't the most important thing. It felt like important, but it wasn't. Or if you let something like, you know, church online drop, the ball hits the ground and people go, wait a minute, we really like that. That was really good then you can say, okay, together, how are we going to pick that ball back up and make it sustainable? Um, Because I think that will be what happens because it is such a valuable way for people to engage um, these days. So um, yeah, thank you for saying that. I think it can be, um, uh, there's a lot of pressure there to keep things going. 
Uh, and, it, you know, it's a challenge that, that every church, I think, is facing, but particularly churches where there's your solo pastors out there making it all happen. And if we don't bake it into the system, it's not going to be sustainable, right? So we yeah. got to we got to somehow support it with the scaffolding of our systems. Yeah. And uh, otherwise, it just can't. You're just going to never leave acute phase and, and you're just going to burn out. You're going to wear yourselves down. Yeah. And I think that brutal consistency piece, you know, it's interesting language that he, he talks about, but brutal consistency. I mean, you're like brutal. That sounds, that's not very church like to say brutal, right? <laughs> but um, the point is, it's like you're paring it down to something simple enough to be repeatable. And I think what I heard Michael saying, and he actually said this some in the Q&A too, was that um, it doesn't have to be flashy. You can make it good and have quality and make it consistent. And so that's why Michael and his congregation, they moved to pre-recorded content. So, you know, and Jason, I know you guys have done a lot of live and you have the team and the tech to pull it off. And it seems like that's gone pretty well for you guys. And Marine V, we took the same approach as Michael. We, we've been pre-recording our services since pretty early on, although, you know, back in June of last year, because we, we noticed that we were having a, a hard time being brutally consistent with the live feed um, to really ha- hit the mark every time. And people were patient early on, right? If you, if you, something doesn't work, okay, ha ha ha, everybody's trying to figure it out or okay. But if it's two, three weeks out of the past five, we've had a big issue. People start to lean back, disengage, wonder what you're doing all week long. How come you can't get this figured out? What's going, it starts to be a credibility hit. So for us, we paired back to that brutal consistency of pre-recorded services. Um, and that's probably looked different for everybody. I know everybody's kind of found their, their way forward through this. And so there's not a one size fits all, but um, I really appreciate that, that way of thinking of make it simple, make it repeatable um, so that there's predictability and, um, and it's, and it's going to be reliable. Um, you're not going to have to, you know, stay up all night Saturday night, hoping that things work on Sunday. You, you're going to be able to move with confidence. Absolutely. Well, it's good. You know, I hope that um, folks, it, it's giving you something to think about, but also, you know, those are just a portion of the two of the several talks that we had. And if you would like access to all of those talks, you can uh, listen back to the conference on demand and, you'll have access to each talk individually that you can share. So we are still selling the on-demand conference for $47. So if you go to ccc21.online, you that you can enter the portal, you can get it. You're going to get all of those resources, all those talks, plus the main Zoom sessions, plus the tech Q&A with Michael Hadi. Um, all of that, all four main sessions and all the speakers. And you're going to have access to those videos for six months. And what a lot of the folks who participated are excited about is now that they've gone through it, they can share this content as they want to with their leadership in the church, maybe their elders, maybe their key volunteers or leaders. So we're going to sell it on demand for a little while. And uh, so if you want to check that out again, ccc21.online, you just click on the the button there, you'll see it and uh, you can purchase the on demand and get all those, all that content, which I just, it, it just came out so good because I know I'm going to go back and listen to a lot yeah, of those man, talks. I'm telling again, you, yeah. the, the Todd Bolsinger talk, Michael Hottie's whole talk, those are just, they're worth it. And if you can, you know, the, all the talks, I think, what do they end up being about 20 minutes each somewhere? In that yeah. Room, around right? there, 20 so to 20. They're not like these hour long, you know, in really, wow, I'm kind of going to sleep kind of things are really tight 
Todd Bolsinger and, and Michael Hotties especially were, um, I think, really useful to share with your leadership teams to give them a sense of if they don't already know kind of what this moment means for the church at a kind of a high level viewpoint from Todd Bolsinger. And then I love Michael Hottie just getting to the ground floor with our technology and um, and putting that into conversation with where we are right now. Yeah. All right, everyone. Hey, thanks for listening. Hopefully we will catch you back here next week. Remember, ministry is hard. It is so much better when we do it together. Thank you for listening to Reclaimed Leader. Join us next time for more insights, interviews, and resources to help you in your leadership journey.